Here this morning we're going to be over in Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, much as we were last week, looking at the, the different types of soil. But here's a question for you. Did you know that you were not born good soil? You weren't born rocky soil. You weren't born thorn soil. You weren't born wayside soil. The way that Jesus describes these soils here, you might get the idea that you're one or the other. And truthfully, you can be good soil in one area and rocky in the next. There might be some places that you're wayside soil. How do we identify that? And how do we get all the soil that we have to be good? We're going to take a look at that today. Now, last time we took took a look at the first two types of soil, and we're going to go back and take a look at that because we didn't finish everything on the first two types of soil. So we're going to go back and take a take a look at that. But we're up to the third soil, which is the one with the thorns. Now, it sounds like from what Jesus is saying, only one type of soil was susceptible to thorns. But when was the last time that you went out and planted a garden and had no trouble with weeds? If you planted if you planted seeds in a garden area, it's been a garden for you for a while. Do you have problems with weeds? Do they try and come up? Well, they do. They keep trying to come up. So it seems like that there's there's weeds all around. So why is it just this one soil that we're talking about with the with the weeds with the thorns? Why does Jesus isolate this in this parable, a different type of soil is this way? Now, not all soil is wayside. That's the first soil. Not all is second. Not all is the second one, which is the, the rocky. But here's a question for you about that. How did the rocky soil become rocky? How is the rocks removed? How do you get rid of rocks in the soil? Or is that soil just forever gone? Well, let's take a look at this here. Let's go back to verse 11. Now, the parable is just, just the interpretation of the parable here. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts. Lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root. Who believe for a while and in time of temptation, fall away. Now we know the devil comes to take away, he comes to steal the seed. People will come and trample it. So when you're looking at wayside soil, you're looking at two enemies. One enemy is the enemy, Satan, who wants to steal it. The second one is the one who wants to trample it, the people. How many have ever had people trample on your seed? You just received the seed of the word about something and you got excited about it and you went and you began to, to talk to other people about it and they trampled it right down. Just walked all over it and you came out of there thinking, man, I thought I, I thought I had something. I don't think I got it anymore. That didn't uh, work out too good. Or, or Satan's out there. He's just trying to steal it. He's just trying to take that away from you. Make sure that you don't, that you don't get it. Have you ever had God speak a word to you? Maybe it might be something like this. You're in the grocery store. And God tells you, witness to this person over here. Minister to this person over here. And, and you hear that. And, and you're going to make a, a move to go in that direction. And then a thought comes to you. That can't be God. How do you know that, that God's even saying anything like that? And before you get there, you talk yourself out of it. You just had a word of God stolen. The devil came right on in and, and stole that. Now, sometimes you have other people that will do it. Maybe somebody, you, you have a word and you, you try and deliver it in a certain way and the, the people around you just poo-poo it, put it down. 
and then people can trample on that. See, it's not just, uh, this is not just some kind of arbitrary story. This is something that happens to us in, in real life. This is something that happens to us every single day. That these particular things can, can go on. We gotta stand against it. We gotta make sure that, that we understand there's an enemy who's trying to steal the word, and there are people that are trying to trample it. Don't let the enemy steal it, and don't let the enemy trample it. Now, the type of soil that is described here is the wayside soil. This is the one where the seed falls, but it can't get any protection. we got to take that word and protect it. That's our responsibility. When I receive a word from God, i got to protect it. Not just leave it out there for people to come along and to, and to do that. But then we come to the rocky soil. In the rocky soil, there's, there's no root. And so when temptation comes, they fall away because they have no endurance. So my question is, how did the rocks get in the soil? Now, if you go through the Old Testament, if you look at the, the ancient way that people did things, when they came and they conquered an enemy, they would actually uh, throw rocks into the soil. Sometimes they would salt the soil. Uh, they put rocks in. They tried to make it so that it, wasn't, it wouldn't be productive anymore. And that's one of the things they would do is to, to throw the, the rocks into the soil and to, uh, to make it so that it would become rocky soil. Sometimes you just come upon one and it's rocky. Have you ever dug up a garden? And in digging it up, you found a whole lot of rocks. Just smell all these, all these different rocks and you start pulling them out and pulling them out and pulling because the rocks in there, they're no good. Plants can't grow in rocks. And so you go out there and you try and, and you try and take them, them rocks out. Well, when we look at rocky soil, the rocks can, we can have rocky soil much the same way that, that they did. Now we saw that, uh, Peter was kind of like a rocky soil. God gave him a word. Come. And so he stepped out and he started doing what the Lord said he could do. But then he started to look around. And his, his mind was talking to him. The enemy was talking to him. You can't walk on water. Look at these waves. Feel that wind. And all of a sudden he says, I guess I can't walk on water even though he is. And the word was stolen right, right out from him. It was, uh, he was tempted to doubt and he doubted. And then what he had was gone. You gotta let that, that word that you got take some root. Now, how do the, how do the rocks get into soil? How do the rocks get in my soil specifically? How do rocks get put into my soil? Cause that's, that's all I care about, right? You don't care about how rocks get into the person next to you. <laughs> Cause that's not gonna affect your life. How do rocks get in me? How do they get in my soil? How do they start messing with me? In this area. Well, one of the things we've, we talked about this in the, just the last couple of weeks, but one of the ways that rocks will get in is, is through offenses. When you carry around an offense, when you become offended at so-and-so, you don't receive. You can't hear that. God may, you may get, uh, well, we'll give it to you this way. How many, you know, Brother Creflo Dollar, his church, they spend all that money to put him on TV. And he preaches a good word. I enjoy the word that he preaches. And um, and you, you sit there and listen to it. But then, all of a sudden, somebody gets word about how much money he spent on his airplane. And what happens? Offense comes in. And then when he starts preaching the word, what happens to, to the word that he's, he's preaching out? Can't take root? No, no, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> and see, we, we build up a resistance to it. Well, somebody put some rocks in your soil. And that may be a word that you needed, but you won't receive it because you got rocks in there. And it's your own fault. Though you weren't born with that rocky soil, somebody came over and put those rocks in. And you said, come on. Bring those rocks on. And you got offended. You may get offended at what another brother or sister does. And maybe God had a word for you. For in, he gave it to them. You won't receive it. Maybe they were going to come over and help on something. And you won't receive it. So that's one way the rocks get into soil is through offenses. Um, another way is, is other people. Rocks can get into soil from other people. Other people can say things or other people can do things. Have you ever heard somebody was going to a church for a long time 
and they were growing and they were doing good and all of a sudden somebody in the church did something. And they got, a, they got bothered by it. You can call that, I guess, offense too. They got bothered by it. Other people came in there and, and they didn't uh, do anything directly to them. They just didn't like something that they, they did. Now, Brother Corey and I were talking in the back there. Somebody wore a pink tie. I'm, I'm bothered by that. I'm offended. <laughs> but other people can come and they can sow, sow uh, wrong things into your life. They can begin to tell you some, some things that you don't need to, need to know about or need to hear. They may tell you some things about other people that just compromise you and your, your willingness to, to learn. Third one I put in there is false doctrine. Now sometimes this comes through the hand of people as well. But false doctrine. You learn something that you believe was true, but it's actually false. But it hinders you from receiving. I'll give you an example that I don't think anybody, this, this shouldn't bother anybody that's here. But how many have ever heard of the Flat Earth Society? Yeah, people that still today believe that the Earth is flat. Flat Earth Society. They still believe that the earth is flat. Despite all the evidence that we have to the contrary, they don't believe it. They also don't believe that man went to the moon. <laughs> they don't believe all these things. Uh, I wonder if they use cell phones. Because that's because of satellite technology that, uh, and, you know, we had to get up in space to do all that sort of stuff, but whatever it might be. You know, flat earth, uh, flat earthers. They're out there and they just believe, you know, just like they used to, that if you keep sailing in one direction, you're going to fall off. So if you go over to them and you try and tell them something about the earth being round, they're rocky soil. That's, they, it, can't, it can't penetrate them. Now you may, you may tell them something that they may initially get excited about. And this is where you really see the rocky soil come in. You may tell them a principle. You know, we, we hear you know, conservative and liberal things all the time in the, in the news and, and, and so forth. But it's amazing. You can tell, you can pull somebody like Bernie Sanders around. How many know Bernie Sanders? Bernie Sanders is a liberal guy and he, you know, spouts socialistic, uh, things and, uh, uh, whatever it might be. But he just, he just had an interview and you, do you know how Bernie says, not people say about him, you know how Bernie said he got rich? Through capitalism. <laughs> he talks about it. He got rich because of capitalism. But he preaches socialism. Now, you see, you could take somebody who follows along with those things and show them some principles of capitalism and how it works and how it's good. And then all of a sudden, when they recognize that it's capitalism, shut right down. Oh, no, no, we we can't have that. We can't be doing that sort of thing. I heard somebody talking about this. How many heard about the tariffs? Tariffs. And if, if you think I am upset at the tariffs, you were wrong. I am so overjoyed at the things going on in our country with tariffs. I am so overjoyed because I have looked at this for decades to be addressed. And no one had all my favorite presidents did not address this. I got so mad. Why is no one addressing this problem? Why are our manufacturers having to pay so much on tariffs over there? But anyway, it was amazing what was going on because tariffs is another form of tax. You can put tax on it. It's the same thing. It's a tax on business. And the news media was so quick to talk about how tariffs are bad that it's going to cause that the business passes them on to the people. But when you talk about taxes, they won't do it that way. It's just amazing. See, the rocky soil in the one area. We can understand this principle, but only want to understand it in this, this area, not in this one over here. And so they won't, they won't cross that over. But that's where you can see rocky soil come in. If a principle is true, then the, then the principle is true. That's just the, the, the way that it is. And with all the stuff that's going on with immigration, how many have seen presidents past who have touted how much we needed to do immigration and now those same people are saying, no, we don't. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I never picked on any of the ones that I didn't like who, who were, who were for immig- immigration being, um, uh, addressed. Never, uh, never picked on them for that. I, I agree with them. I may not particularly like this president. Maybe I like this president. It doesn't matter. This is the principle that's involved. But you see, when you got rocky soil, then you begin to, to pick and choose which one. 
you're not fertile to it. So we got to be careful about some of those things. And here it is. You'll see it in the Word of God, not just into um, into these areas. But how do we remove the rocks? Because this is something we need to do. I need to remove the rocks. I need to get them out. Because they're hindering me from understanding the truth. Now, one of the ways that we remove the rocks, I, pu- I just put it in here this way, cleaning house. Cleaning, cleaning house. How do you remove the rocks? Well, if, if you were, if you were a gardener, how many people will attest to have been a gardener at one point in their life? Alright, one of the things you would do in the spring is that you go out into the garden and you take a hoe or, um, um, what's the four-pronged one? I forget what the name of that is. Just a four-prong. There's a name for that. Uh, the, the, it looks like a hoe, but it's not a hoe. It's got four prongs instead of the, the straight part down. You know, I can't think of the name. Anyway, it has a name. <laughs> but, you go on out there and you take that little tool and you start going around in there and you start um, chopping up the soil. And as you begin to, to uh, break it up, you find rocks. What do you do when you find the rocks? You take them out. Because I don't want them in here. And you get a bucket full of rocks. Every time you go through there, you, you pick out some more rocks. And you're glad about pulling out those rocks because you have just made the soil less rocky. And the, the less rocky you make that soil, the more receptive it's going to be for what you want it to do. So cleaning house is kind of like this. When you go on through that soil and you start banging through and, and uh, I don't know if you've ever, I've done this so many times, but you know, you get some really hard pieces of clay and you can mistake that for a rock. And so what I would take it, I'd take that four prong hoe and I'd flip it over and I'd use the, the metal bar on there and I'd just bang it with that. And if it split apart and it uh, it broke up, well, that was clay, it wasn't a rock. But if you hear a twang, that's a rock. We just go there and we get that rock, we throw it out. But you gotta do, every year you're going through, you keep going through. How many have ever been through a garden one year, pulled out a whole mess of rocks? And you're thinking, man, I got, I got so many rocks out of there. And then the next year you go through it again, guess what? There's more rocks. And you're thinking, man, I know we're hitting the end of these rocks. And then you go through it again and what'd you find? More rocks. It seems like every time I would go through the same garden, I'd find more rocks. Every single time. To the point you just you just prepare yourself. I'm going out there. I've cleaned this th- this garden out for ten years. I'm still finding rocks. I'm fully expecting to find rocks today. And you go out there and you clean out and find some more rocks, because somehow those other rocks got away from you. <laughs> but you're go- you're going to find them this time, and you get them out, because it's it, it's exciting to to get those rocks out because the garden is that much better. You want to get those rocks out of the garden. You want to help it out. So cleaning house is one. Here's another one. Test the spirits. Doesn't the word of God tell us to test the spirits? Uh, Brother Keith was, uh, Brother Keith Moore was one of the ones who told me about this and I was so excited when I heard that. I said, yes, 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 that's, that's right. He said, uh, he's, I'm, I'm sure I put it as a quote in your bulletin many, many, uh, months ago, maybe in a couple of years ago, but, uh, I'll just remind you about it. He was saying it's more important to test the spirit of a person than their doctrine. I thought about that for a little while. He went on and explained it. But uh, I thought about that for a little while. I said, man, that is so true. You see, if a person has the wrong spirit, no matter what they teach you, it's going to be, it's going to be rocks if they have a wrong spirit. But you see, if they have a right spirit, even though they're teaching you something wrong, you'll still come out of it okay. It's more important that the person be of the right spirit than all their doctrine be right. How many of you can attest that a year ago you had some stuff in your doctrine that wasn't quite right? Five years ago. Ten years ago. You cleaned it up a lot, right? Were you completely ineffective ten years ago? Were you completely ineffective five years ago? How about a year ago? So with the bad doctrine, you were still effective. Isn't that amazing? But put a wrong spirit in the person and that'll change it. Test the spirits. You want to get rid of some rocks? Make sure you test the spirits of the people that are trying to put some things into your life. To find out, oh, that's a rock. That's a rock. Just think Charlie Brown. Great pumpkin patch. Remember that one? Every time he went to the door, everybody else got candy. What did he get? I got a rock. I got another rock. We don't want rocks. Test the spirits. You don't want to be receiving rocks out there. Here's the third one, right teaching. 
Make sure that you get teaching that is on the Word of God. Make sure that you get teaching that is founded on the Word of God. Because even if someone is teaching and they don't have revelation and everything, just them reading the Word of God will help you out. I, th- I forget who it was who was... Somebody was uh, down a, when I was at Ramah was, was talking about this. They said when Brother Hagin would get up there and preach, just when he would read the Word, light would come to them. So it's amazing what happens when someone who is anointed to preach reads the Word. Your light will just open up. It's good. That's why we got to make sure that we we do that. I get upset when I listen to ministers 45 minutes and they never open up the Word of God. They won't hold my attention very long if they keep doing that. I need to see somebody get into the Word of God. Teach some, teach some stuff out of the Word, but certainly read the Word. Don't just talk about the Word. So that's a that's the third one, right teaching. Here's a fourth one, mentors. People that are ahead of you in the Word of God. Don't just wait for them to come over and put stuff in you. Go over and get it from them. Go over and sit them down. Hey, what about this? What about this area over here? How about this one over, over here? And then when they do that, make sure you see them as a mentor and listen to them. I remember uh, one story was told, Brother, Brother uh, Hagen was in the prayer room before the service and he invited somebody to come in. And so this person came in and they had 30 minutes with Brother Hagen. How many of you would like to have had 30 minutes to sit down and to, and to talk about? Well, he spent the entire 30 minutes talking about or talking to Brother Hagen and telling him about all the things that God had shown him or all the things God was doing. Now, the, the person who was telling the story was sitting there and saying, man, if I was him, I'd shut up. I'd shut up. I'd listen. Because I'm sure he's got something to say. He didn't just call him in here because uh, he wanted to have a chat. He called him in here for a reason. I'd, if I were him, I'd shut up. Well, he never did. And at the end of 30 minutes, Brother Higgins said, well, that's all the time I've got. i got to move on. And, and that was it. you got a mentor. Listen to him. Hear what they have to say. Let them speak into your life. When they st- Give them the freedom. If, if you see a rock... You know, hit it with that hope. <laughs> I want to hear it make a sound. Oh, that's a rock. What is that doing in my life? <laughs> Get that out of there. Because those rocks will keep the seed from being able to go down. Here's the other one. Yielding to the Holy Spirit. Stay yielded. How many times have you seen somebody go from a place of being yielded to the Holy Spirit to a place of being prideful? And even though the Holy Spirit is trying to speak to them, they're not hearing it. Stay yielded to the Holy Spirit. Here's the last one. Prayer and fasting. Spend time in prayer and fasting. Now you may have a fasted day. You may not have a fasted day. Brother Hagin used to teach, teach us. He said he, uh, he used to have fasting days. He'd spent uh, one, two days out of the week fasting. Depending upon the, the week. But uh, the Lord had showed him some things about the fasted life. I remember hearing about the fasted life. And the Lord had spoken this to me. He says, I'd be more pleased if every day you just didn't eat until you were full. You just um, you know, kept your body under all week long instead of fasting one day and then eating like a glutton the others. And so he, he had begun to pick that up. Well, I heard him teach that, but I stayed with some fasting days for a number of years and, and kept that, but I kept that teaching in mind. And then I eventually moved over like he did into more of a fasted life. And sometimes I just say, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm not going to eat this meal or I'm just not eating as, as much as, uh, as I know that I can. I could certainly eat more, but you'll, you'll, you'll learn to, some things that way. You'll get your body under. Cause, uh, rocks are just another word for your flesh. A rocky soil is just a fleshy soil. And it's just preventing the, the word from getting down. Oh, you're overjoyed when you first hear it. Your flesh can get overjoyed when you first hear it, but then when you find out what you got to do to make that thing work in your life, hmm, not so much. All right, well, let's get into our thorns here. Luke chapter 8, verse 14. Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. Now we're going to spend most of our time here in this one verse. I know that's unusual, but we're going to spend most of our time here on this one. 
The ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. Now, I want you to see a key word in here, which we're going to, I'm going to bring to mind, and then we're going to talk about it later. He says, the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, they've already heard the word. What do they then do? They go out. Now, look at the other ones. Verse 11. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Did you hear anything about going out? But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, who believe for a while, and in time of temptation fall away. Did you hear anything about going out? Why is it that this particular one, we get the words, go out? So keep that in mind. Now some of these fell among, not just fell among thorns, but it fell some of the, the soil area where there were, where there were thorns. How many of you have bird feeders? Come on, admit it. How many have bird feeders outside? One person, two people. Two people have, what is wrong with you folks? Those poor starving birds out there. <laughs> no, God takes care of the, of the birds whether you put feeders out there or not. But if you have ever put a bird feeder out there, one of the things that happens around the bird feeder, y'all can tell me what happens. Thorns grow. Because one of the seeds that they put in the uh, bird feed are thorns. They're thorn seeds. Thorns and thistles and all this kind of stuff because birds eat them. And nobody wants to plant them in their garden, so they sell them as bird seed. You get a lot of seeds that you don't want to have in there because if they were seeds that people wanted to plant, they'd be selling them the seeds that they want to plant. These are junk seeds. So they put them in a bag, they call them bird seed, and they sell them to you. And you go out there and you buy them. And then you put them in areas where gardens usually are, so when they fall down, you get all these things that begin to come on up. If you're ever wondering where these seeds came from, you brought them in. You put them in a good spot. <laughs> you help them to grow. So just be, be careful about that when you have wild bird seed and stuff like that. Out there in the feeder, just know the stuff that falls down, this is going to be some nasty weeds. You're not going to like them. And, uh, but that's what they're, we're talking about here. These, these fell among thorns. When they heard, they go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life. And they bring no fruit to maturity. Now, just to make sure, how many people have ever had in their life Little, how many have ever had a vegetable garden? Okay, we got enough people. So you got uh, at least a frame of reference for this. When you have a vegetable garden, you may put uh, carrots in the vegetable garden. How tall do carrots get? They don't get very tall. They get like this. Have you ever planted peppers? I love the smell of pepper plants. I couldn't stand eating them. <clears throat> but I love the smell of pepper plants. And so uh, if you plant peppers, well, peppers get a little bigger than carrots. But they don't grow all that fast. If you plant peas or beans, they're generally on some, some of them are on a vine, some of them are on a, on a bush. Uh, but they, they still don't get too, too tall. One of the tallest plants that you will plant in the vegetable garden are tomatoes and corn. Now, if you're ever going to plant corn, don't get the idea I'm going to plant two or three things of corn and get some corn. You won't get it. If you don't plant a bunch of corn, you're not going to get any corn. You get zero. You've got to plant a bunch of it because it has to pollinate itself in order for it to, to work. So you've got to have like a, a, a decent size. Uh, now we're not talking about 10 or 12 uh, plants. You're going to be looking at, uh, I don't know what the number is, but dozens. You need a bunch of them out in there so that they can actually do some, some pollination between them. But if you have one of the taller ones, where we live here in Pennsylvania, we have corn plants growing all over. You're driven by cornfields. How many see any problems with weeds in a cornfield? There's no problem with weeds. You know why? Because the corn outcompetes the weeds. It gets taller than the weed will, so they plow the whole field and make sure that all the weeds are down. They plant the corn. And the corn will sprout up faster than the weeds. Now, you, you keep an eye out on this. When you're driving around Pennsylvania and you see some of the cornfields that are out there, and you see those corn 
pieces that are real, real tiny, you're going to see some weeds growing in between. You'll notice that there's some weeds growing in between. But after a little while, the corn's going to get taller. And after a bit, you won't see those weeds anymore. And if you've ever gone to one of those cornfields where they cut them down, make mazes out of it, you also never saw any weeds in between the corns. Because the corn got tall, and it was the dominant force, and the weeds couldn't compete, and the weeds died. Now, if you have tomatoes, tomatoes, they are aggressive. They grow fast, they grow tall, and they will outcompete everything that is around them. But if you got these little tiny carrots, or lettuce, or radishes, or things along those lines, they don't outcompete stuff. If you want them to grow in your garden, you got to take special care. You got to go out there on a regular basis and start hoeing in between the rows to get the the weeds out, because those weeds will not compete on your on your stuff. It's all about competition. You see, when he mentions thorns, we are talking about a very tall, very aggressive weed, and it will outcompete most seed that is out there. One other parable that Jesus talked about, he talked about the tares. An enemy came and sowed tares into your wheat field. Well, don't uproot them. If you uproot them, you're going to take away the good and the bad. Let them grow together. We'll harvest them and then we'll, we'll separate them at that point. Because they, uh, they were able to compete with the wheat and get as, as tall as they would be. So he says, the ones who fell among the thorns are those who, when they have heard, they heard the word, the seed of the word fell into them. They go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life. How many of you consider yourself rich? All right, we got one, two rich people. How many have a bank account to back it up? <laughs> got, still got a couple of them in there. All right. Most people, most people would look at their bank account and they would not consider themselves to be rich. Now, we may be rich in Christ, but I'm talking physically rich, able to write. If you want to write a million-dollar check, you can write a million-dollar check. That kind of rich. All right. Now, most people don't see that. And so when you read this about the, about the, uh, about the thorns, you think riches of life. There's no riches. I'm just making my, my house payment. <laughs> I'm not rich. Now, you might be rich to compare to some other people, but that doesn't help you out. You're thinking, I'm not rich. And so you hear the riches. Oh, no, no, no. We don't have that. And you think pleasures of life. What are pleasures of life? How about a house down the shore? Yeah, I don't have one of those. So I don't have pleasures of life. How about a uh, a really nice car? That'd be a pleasure of life. Some people have, would consider themselves to, to have a really nice car. Um, you might... How about a mansion of a house? Mansion of a house. Big old mansion of a house. Uh, most of us don't consider our house to be a mansion. But we look at these things, pleasures of life, and we can ease them no matter where we are. We may have a 60-inch TV at home, but we don't have a 75-inch TV. So therefore, we don't have the pleasures of... You know, we can always say somebody else has got something more. We look at our situation, and we can easily say, I don't have pleasures of life, and I don't have riches. And we just skip right on by this verse, and we miss what it's talking about, because I don't feel like it's talking to me, because riches... I'm still in church. I'm still reading the Word. I'm still in the worship services. I'm still doing all these things. Riches of life have not pulled me out because I don't really have anything that I would consider to be the riches of life. And if we do that, we will miss what this verse is doing. Because Jesus does not give a parable. In fact, this is what I've considered to be the, the greatest of all the parables. He does not give a great parable like this in which it does not apply to everyone. Somewhere you fit with the thorns. You may say, well, I don't have the pleasures of life. I got a few nice things. But so-and-so over there, I've seen them, man, they got pleasures. Oh, man, they've got some stuff. (laughs) I don't have that, so I'm not pulled off into the pleasures of life. I don't have riches. And cares, oh, I learned from the Word of God not to be worried about stuff. But he says, 
when they heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, not or. And pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. Now, how many of you would say, don't raise your hand on this one? Are you allowed to raise your hand on the other one? Don't raise your hand on this one. How many of you would say that there is some word that you have heard that you know the end result that that word should bring and it has not brought that maturity to you yet? Has not come to a place of fruition. The corn hasn't become corn. The tomatoes haven't become tomatoes. You're still looking at green plant. And, and, and kind of, you know, where is this thing going? Why are we not having it here just yet? I want to see fruit. I mean, the reason you go out there and you mess with that vegetable garden is because you want some fruit out of it, right? I, I did vegetable gardens before. Much rather just going down to the produce place and just buy the stuff out there. Amen. But, I guess there is something that's a benefit to growing it yourself and, and, uh, having that, that extra, extra stuff there, but, mm-mm. But anyway, it's no good to be looking at green plants. You want to see fruit. If you're growing tomatoes, you want to see some red stuff on there. Not just green. If you're growing some peppers, then you want to see some colorful peppers on there. Uh, some peppers are green, but some of them are red and some of them are yellow and some of them are orange and all kinds of different colors and, You want to see some stuff. So they go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life. Now, the thorns are never a problem until they start to grow. You will never have any problems with thorns until they start to grow. When the thorn starts growing, that's when you got some problems. And the only reason they cause problems is because you want something else to grow there. If you have weeds in your grass, how many of you want to get rid of the weeds? If you have weeds in your flower bed, how many want to get rid of the flower bed? Or get rid of the weeds in the flower bed? Keep the flowers, get rid of the weeds. We want to get rid of those. If you have weeds in the woods behind your house, how many care to get rid of those? Nope. Why? Because I'm not growing anything there. See, thorns are not a problem until they interfere with the stuff that you want. Because there's a whole mess of thorns and thistles growing in the woods. But they're not causing you any problems and they're not hindering your flowers and your grass. So you don't care. You see, the thorns... Yet this is a powerful principle here. Really help you out, I'm sure. The thorns need some of the same things that your seed needs. And so when it becomes present to grow the seed, it also became present to grow the thorn. I heard one minister, I used to get to hear a lot. He talked about um, weed seeds. People had weed seeds in their life. That, um, you know, some of those weed seeds were watered by money. And, and, and until that person got money, that weed seed never showed up. And so people would always say, uh, well, they got rich, they got some money, and so then they left the things of God. And his idea was, no, those seeds, those weed seeds were always there, they just never had any water. And they never dealt with them. But now when the water came along, it watered them. And he said, you know, he, he noticed them. They'd, uh, first they started off being in the front of the church. And then they started to work back, back their way to the middle and then to the, to the back. And then pretty soon every other week and then every third week and then pretty soon they were gone. They, they were out. You see, the weed seeds were there. Weed seeds were, were always present. But when you start putting the things in your life, to grow the seed of the word, it will also grow the thorns. Because the enemy wants the thorns to grow. The seeds are there. It's in your flesh. That's why the word of God talks about getting rid of the flesh. 
There's things in the spirit. There's things in the flesh. So there are things that the the seed needs to grow. I'm going to give you a list here. And this is not a comprehensive list. You could probably add some more things to it. In fact, um, no, I think I, I gave you, I left your room, right? Did I just give you a blank, a, a blank area or did I give you some room? All right, I gave you room. I was hoping I did. I had to cut some stuff off of your your outline from, from what mine says. But things that grow the seed. First off, meditate on the Word. Doesn't meditating on the Word grow the seed? It does. Boy, it grows the seed good. When you get that Word and you hear that Word, meditate on it. Think on it. Mull over it. Just keep going over and over and over. Get that thing down on the inside of you. Meditate on the Word. That's one of the things that's going to help you out. That's going to grow the seed. Think on good things. That's the second one. Think on good things. Doesn't the Word of God tell us? Think on good things. If you think on good things, you will grow the Word that is in you. Here's the third. Believe the best in others. Does the Word of God not tell you to believe the best in others? If you believe the best in others instead of the worst in others, you will grow the seed of the Word. Expect blessings. How many have heard teaching before about expecting blessings? If you ever have, pull up uh, on the TV sometime because I'm sure he's all over it. Uh, Brother Jesse DePlanis. You can't hear Jesse without him talking about expect blessings. He expects blessings everywhere he goes. And he expects to be a blessing, but he's always expecting blessings. Expect blessings. The word, the word will tell you, no, I don't expect blessings. Bad things are going to happen. <clears throat> and here's the, here's the final one. Hoe or inspect the soil. Keep, keep going after the soil. Going out there. I mean, if you would go out, if you had a garden, and if you went out once a week and hoed that garden and raked up the, the loose, so, the, the soil from getting packed and stirred up all the roots of those weeds that were growing, would you ever have to go out and weed your garden? If you could just go out on a regular basis, even once a week, just rake it up, those weeds wouldn't have a chance. But we don't do it. We get busy. And it happens in our own life too. I get busy and I'm, I'm not uh, watching out for the, the seeds that are growing around my word seed. Now, here's the things that grow the thorns. We're just kind of matching what's up there. Instead of meditating on the word, we're worrying and fearing. We got worry and fear coming in. Doesn't the word of God say, get rid of worry, get rid of fear, get rid of anxiety? Because when you bring that in, you are now giving the thorns what it needs to grow. Instead of giving what the word needs to grow. And if the thorn is growing in your soil, the thorn will outcompete the word that you've got. Because whatever can outcompete, that's what's going to grow. Now you look at people. Think about some Christians. Obviously other Christians and you. Other people. Have you ever seen certain ones that are just dominated by worries? And they just keep being dominated by worries. They're Christians, and but when they pray, you hear them pray, they're praying worries. I'm not watering the seed of the word. I'm watering thorns. Evil thoughts. The word of God says, think on good things. So what's the devil want you to do? Think on bad things. That's going to water the, the thorns. And thorns aren't good. They're, they're, I mean, they hurt. You ever got caught with thorns? Man, I'll tell you what, they hurt for a while. They're just little tiny things, but boy, they just seem to, to hurt a lot more than they should. He wants to get you in some evil thoughts. He wants you to see the worst in others, and he will help you along with that. He will keep feeding you thoughts. Do you see what they did over here? You see how they want to, look at this they did over here, and he will help you to see the worst in others. He will get you to expect bad things, not good. I just know I'm going to get sick. Oh, when that flu starts going around, I just know I'm going to... You see, we're expecting bad things. Well, somebody just paid me with a check, but I'll, I'll bet you it's going to bounce. <laughs> we expect bad things. I just went to the doctor. Well, they called me up. They want me to come in. I just know it's bad news. Because <laughs> I expect bad things. Maybe he's calling you up and saying, 
man, what are you doing? You have just increased so much. Your body is just looking phenomenal. I just wanted to find out, what are you doing? Oh, but now we don't expect that. What do we expect? We can expect bad things. This is not good. And uh, here's the last one. Let the soil go. Don't go out there and hoe it. Don't go out there and turn it over. Just let it go. That'll grow thorns. We don't want to grow thorns. We want to keep the thorns out of our life. Now, let's go back to our verse here. Now, the ones that fell among thorns are the ones who, when they heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. Now, this word for go out, it means to go, to proceed, to go on one's way. It actually is used when one would go on a journey and take a journey for it. When... um. Uh, when Jesus cast out the, uh, a demon, they would use the, they would put the term ek in front of this for out. You are going to have a journey out. Is <laughs> basically what they're, what they're saying. It's a journey somewhere. You are, you are going to a place. But this is the only soil in which he did this. You're not just going on your way or making a trip away. You're, you're making a trip away from the word. And after the thorns. I am making a journey to go away from the word and to pursue the thorns. Because it's the only one he uses this word for. Go out. They go out. Why are they going out? No one else is going out. But this guy's going out. You've got the word. Here's the thorns. He says you're pursuing the cares, the riches, the pleasures of this life. We've gone after other things. And we've gone after them with as much gusto as we went after the Word. And sometimes we put, we spiritualize it so that I think that the thorn is the Word. That's my Word seed right there. Don't you pick on my Word seed. We start being glad about the, about the thorn. Well, it's the only thing I can get grow in this garden. Mm-mm. It says that you will bring no fruit to maturity. No fruit to maturity. That means that faith for healing brings no healing. Right? That means faith for provision brings no answer. That means faith for deliverance brings no freedom. Because I, I, I heard I can have deliverance. I heard I can have provision. I heard I can have healing. But I never get it to that place to where it's mature. And I receive the fruit off of it. And I wonder, what's wrong with God? And the problem is, I've been distracted by some other things. And there are many Christians who are in this soil. But I have no idea. Because you see, stuff is growing. There's stuff growing. But I'm not bringing it to maturity. You see, there's too much competing. My tomato plants, my carrots, my radishes might still be growing, but there's so much competing that they don't get the nutrition that they need and I don't get the fruit. There's too much competition. I want to get my faith to the place where I see fruit. Let me give you some examples with this. Cain with his brother. Did he not have the word of God? And yet he began to pursue thorns and thistles and began to hate his brother. Brought wrong sacrifice to God. Saul, after he became king, he said, "When before I made you king, you were small in your own eyes. Now it's not the way that it is. David was going along just fine. And then Bathsheba came along. And in the pursuit of what was a thorn in his life, he became party to a murder. Deception. Solomon pursued God, sowed 
millions, billions of dollars into the temple. Didn't bat an eyelash at it. Happy to do so. And then, because of his many wives, they turned his heart against God to the point that he began to offer sacrifices. Judas, with the treasury, listened to the words of Jesus Christ, heard some of the best teaching that you could hear, saw some of the greatest miracles that were going on, but began to pursue some thorns that were in his life. How about some of those who helped Paul? Paul even talked about they went after the cares of this life. You see, each of them embarked on a journey away. A journey away from the Word. A journey toward the thorns. And they didn't recognize it. They didn't see it. You see, the journey away from the Word is not easily recognized by the one who is making it. We think we're still pursuing the right thing because I still have green plant. It's still growing. And I'm, oh, I just keep on doing the same thing here. But you see, I've brought other, other thorns and thistles in. This isn't good. They are in pursuit of something that they desire. Just as they pursued the things of God that they desired before. That would be their calling, getting understanding of the Word of God, their ministry. And they've left the pursuit of that to go after something else. And at least in the beginning, they think they're pursuing it for the purpose of God. See, one of the roles of a pastor is that every Sunday morning we come in and I get to help hold the field. I know people are always teasing, you know, oh, you've been stepping my toes or, or man, I was hard stuff to hear. But you see, every week we get together, we're hoeing the field. We're, we're getting the rocks out. We're, we're stirring up then thorns. Oh man, that was a thorn that was growing. Let's get rid of that thing. Let's kill that thing. We don't want that going. We don't want that guy growing. That's not what we want. And so we go to the Word of God to, to make sure. That, that this is what's that this is what's happening. Now I just read. I wasn't thinking about this until now, but I just read an article. Runner's World produces an article. How many of you think that you can read anything out of Runner's World and get a benefit from it? I got one. All right, one person. Yes, this came out of Runner's World. They did a they did a study, or at least they published the study. I'm not sure if they actually did it themselves. And they took a bunch of people. And, and they took uh, one group of people that had been active, running, cycling, doing something five days a week that they were active for at least 50 years. And then they took another group that was just young and healthy and active. And then they took a third group who were over 50, who were inactive most of their life. And then they compared the health benefits of, the, of them all. And they found that the people that were 50 and older, or that had been exercising for 50 plus years, were in some cases in better shape than the people in their 20s who were active. You can kind of figure out which group finished last, right? They said there is, there is something about taking that on for a long period of time and the benefits that they would have in their body. And they would talk about, you know, the VO2 levels, the VO2 levels of just about everybody. Anybody know what VO2 is? It's how your body processes oxygen. The VO2 levels of just about everybody in that group were of people 30 years younger. The reason I bring that story up is this. How many of you have been pursuing the Word of God for 10 years? Raise your hand. You can do your outside hands there. How many have been doing it for 20 years? How many for 30 years? 40 years? We won't go any higher. <laughs> the longer that you have pursued the word, pushed out the thorns, got rid of the rocks, the longer that you have, have given the nutrition 
to the word seed that is in your life. It has had a profound effect upon you. Now, I wasn't thinking about that until I was putting this whole thing together. Have you ever seen a Christian who just got born again? And they can be thrown just like that. I mean, something can happen in their life and it can just totally take them off the rails. But you get somebody who has followed after God. I mean the Word of God, not just been to church. Followed after God, pursued understanding, pursued the revelation of the Word of God, did the things that we outlined there for you to feed the Word, did those things for decades. You'll have a hard time moving them off of where they are. You see, it has worked to stabilize you. Don't ever let the devil come in and say, you have been doing this for so many years and there's no benefit. No, you're wrong. You are less able to be moved now than you were 20 years ago. Than you were 30 years ago. It takes a whole lot more to get you to even budge. Because you, you have built up a foundation. You see, this war that you fight against the thorn seeds, against the rocks, and against the wayside soil has a profound effect upon your life. When you hear something that comes in from the outside that is against God, immediately, everything on the inside of you goes off. And you're not moved. When the devil throws a report at you, then for most people, it causes them to be scared, anxious, filled with fear or worry. You stand rock solid. And the longer that you pursue the things of God, the more rock solid that you get. You stay with the things of God. The enemy wants to tell you it's had no effect. It's of no good. But you are far harder for the devil to move than you were before. So he surely wants to get you off of doing what you're doing. Don't let him. You stay with it. Keep it going. They're all the pastors to help hold that field. Stir up them rocks, get rid of them thorns. The role of other believers is to encourage or expose motives. Other believers are going to come along. They're going to be exposed. That's a wrong motive. You shouldn't be doing that. Because you see, you will talk a whole lot more free with another believer than when you will with a mentor or a pastor or something like that. You'll talk a whole lot more free. And they can just slap you upside the head. What are you talking like that for? Let you know that's, that's a wrong motive. They can encourage you like no one else can encourage you. And the role of the Holy Spirit is even greater. Boy, the role that the Holy Spirit does. It's why we have to come into a close relationship with Him. We have got to get to a place where He is so much of our life and He can just speak things to me. I hear and I obey. You get these roles going on in your life, you'll get stronger and stronger and stronger. so much benefit in it. We still have one more soil to go on. I was thinking I was going to get into it today, but thought the, now the thorns and the going over the other two are going to take up too much. There are some things buried in this verse that I didn't see until I was really tearing this thing apart. And we're going to spend some time tearing our, apart our last verse. That's verse 15. Because I want you to know what good soil is. I want you to know the condition that that soil needs to be for that word seed to grow. And here's the kicker in that verse, that it will produce fruit. In one uh, rendition of this, it says some 30, some 60, some 100. That's what we want. How many of y'all want fruit? You want, some, you want that faith that's in you to produce something. And that's where we want to get to. These are the enemies of that soil that is in you producing Stand up against them. Meditate on it for a little while. Let God speak to you. He's going to begin to tell you some things right there. That's where you got some rocky soil. Get that out. The, the word can't root there because you got these rocks people have put in. You got these offenses that, uh, that are going on. You won't hear it. You can't hear it. Don't, uh, don't let that go on. Would y'all stand up with me? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we were not born a particular soil type. 
But we can have all four soils going on in our life, but we'll know how to take care of each one. We can take the wayside soil and we can turn it into good soil. We can take the rocky soil and we can make it good. And we can take those ones that have thorn seeds in it. We can make it produce too. The enemy wants these things to stand in our way from us receiving the fruit. But you've exposed it so that we don't have that problem. It's important that we guard our thoughts, not just sometimes, but all the time. It's important that we keep away from worry and fear and anxiety, not just sometimes, but all the time. It's important that we don't stir up the the roots of the seed, but we give it protection and let it take root because it will firm up our walk, make us strong, and bring us fruit. I thank you for it. We give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We got one more, one more part to get in here. But let God deal with it because you, you've got to get everything understood that you can about these bad soils. If you do, the, the, the part of the good soil will open up. There's a reason Jesus left it for last. Get this stuff out of your life and oh, the fruit that will come. Brother Victor. Glory to God. Uh, we thank everyone for coming to church. It's always um, a good time to be in the house of God. And for those of us that are joining by way of internet, we are happy that um, you're sharing fellowship with us. Um, the Word of God is always so powerful, and that is one thing we've we've really enjoyed uh, being in Zoe Christian Fellowship. Um, that God is always speaking to us directly on um, the things we need to hear. And um, we thank God for the word today on taking care of the rocks and the thorns and the, and the weeds. He will help us to, you know, prune our lives so that we can get to where he wants us to be. Amen. We have some wonderful testimonies here that uh, Brendan are sharing with us. Brother Jim says, um, I was diagnosed uh, of a bladder cancer about a month ago it was malignant and I had a surgery uh, the current test shows that I am cancer free, hallelujah that is the faithfulness of our God, hallelujah that is the faithfulness of our God, amen amen, sister Messi said praise God for, her, for his faithfulness I received employee of the year award, God has highly favored me praise the Lord <laughs> Uh, we really appreciate these testimonies. We want to know what God is doing among the brethren um, so that we can have faith in the God we are serving and trust him more for the things that he has promised us. Uh, Sister Candy is asking for a prayer, and we are going to pray together for Brother Bob. He said, pray for Bobby. The doctor think, the doctor think he is expect, um, experiencing irregular heart rhythm or arrhythmia. Um, so she wants him to stay uh, wearing a heart monitor for uh, like seven days to track it. She thinks that it is that is why he is so out of breath and so weak. Uh, but look at what Sister Candy said. But I know that our God made his this heart, Amen, and He will take care of it. Hallelujah! Uh, that's the word of faith. And look at what Paul said in regards to that. To Paul also said, "For I know." Whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to do what? To keep that which I have committed into him against that day. You know, so God responds to this kind of word. You, you know the person you have believed. You are confident. And I want us to join our faith together with her and say the heart of our brother is kept by the hands of our God. Hallelujah. Is it a prayer to pray? Yep. So let's pray together in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus, that our brother's heart is kept. The doctor is thinking, but we know 
we know that the heart is fine in the name of Jesus. The heart rhythm is reset in the name of Jesus. Um, whatever they might be thinking, we know and we are confident that that heart is good in the name of Jesus. He is restored back to life. Breathlessness and short of breath is gone because the rhythm is restored in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. We give you thanks because we have prayed in faith and we are confident that it is done in Jesus' name. Amen. Sister Connie. Just real quickly, do you all receive one of these in your uh, your bulletin today? A food collection. Where it's something new we're going to try, and like I said, it's try. It, we're doing just a trial right now to see how how it goes, how we uh, you know what we, kind of response we get on both sides. You know, those who are able to give, and then those who are uh, recipients. June second is going to be our first collection day. That's also our salt meeting, is it not? So it's a perfect diet, a perfect time to remember bring food, <laughs> bring extra food. The items on here are the only items we're going to collect at this time. Okay, um, we're not doing anything perishable. Obviously, that's that's we don't have we're not set up for it. Um, so just bring it that day if you you feel led to do so, and then we're going to pack them up and give them out to some some shut-ins, some folks that. Uh, you know, it's funny, I didn't realize it, but a lot of these food banks, not all of them, but some of them have certain requirements in order to receive 